Experts claim there is nothing tougher than a diamond. But at Diamonds Direct, we beg to differ. Have you ever met a mother? Strong, radiant, timeless. This Mother's Day, give her the gift that meets her match. With diamond jewelry starting at $200, plus Diamonds Direct's exceptional quality and unbeatable everyday price, you're sure to give her a gift that wows this generation and the next to come. Experience the thrill of jewelry shopping done right at Diamonds Direct. Diamonds Direct. Your love, our passion. You know you've got a comeback in you. When you take the next step, you're going to make it count. For your career, for your family, for your life. You can earn a degree you're proud of with Purdue Global. Purdue Global is backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected and innovative public universities. This is your chance. This is your opportunity. This is your comeback. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Welcome to the Daily Dive Weekend Edition. I'm Oscar Ramirez, and every week I explore the top stories making waves in the news and some that are just plain interesting. I'll connect you with the journalists and the people who know the story and bring you news without the noise so you can make an informed decision. You can catch a new episode of The Daily Dive every Monday through Friday, and it's ready when you wake up. On the weekend edition, I'll be bringing you some of the best stories from the week. There's one place in the country that's a constant factor in why airline travel can get so bad. Florida. The airspace in Florida can serve as an obstacle course for airlines, and the effects of delays can cascade throughout the rest of the country, even if you're not flying through there. Bad weather, military exercises, space launches, and being short-staffed at air traffic control all contribute to the woes of flyers. For more on why you can blame Florida for making air travel so miserable, we'll speak to Micah Maidenberg, space and aviation reporter at the Wall Street Journal. Maybe the first thing to, to realize there or that's really interesting about this is that, that, you know, even though, you know, U.S. domestic flights overall are for the first half of the year um, are still lower than they were compared to, to 2019, they're up in Florida. You know, Florida is, is back, you know, to, to pre-pandemic levels. Um, and that's just for, for airline flights. And then you layer on, um, you know, weather challenges uh, and an increasing, you know, some really tough stretches of weather this spring, especially. You add in space launches, more uh, private planes flying, you know, ongoing military exercises, flight training, you know, from the Navy and, and Air Force and so on in the state. Um, and then some staffing challenges, both for the airlines and, you know, the FAA air traffic control side. And you just, you've got, I mean, forgive the pun, kind of a perfect storm yeah. of, of challenges that, that make Florida airspace, um, you know, unique and, and a bit of an outlier, you know, uh, during this kind of rebound in, in air travel, you know, so far this year. So, and then, but, but to your point, like, and then sometimes when, when Florida gets backed up, that, you know, causes delays, it causes cancellations, it causes, you know, crews, it can cross crews on airlines to, to time out. And and then that backs up the schedule elsewhere, and that sort of cascades problems, yeah. you know, um, around the country. Yeah, that's, right? that's the biggest thing, because even if you're not flying through Florida, everything else can be impacted by what happens there. I mean, uh, you know, you mentioned crew time, right? There's very tight 
numbers on how long a, 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 a crew can fly, all that. And if they go yeah. overtime one here, I mean, they can make it back to their destination where your plane is supposed to be. But if they're on overtime by that point, you know, they have to find new crew. Delays, 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 you know. So even if you're not flying through this, the delays can keep uh, uh, amassing right there. And, you know, we're talking about the first six months of 2022. So on average, we saw one-fifth of flights delayed uh, reaching their destination the first six months of 2022. That's a lot of flights mm-hmm. that are being delayed right there. That, yeah, that's the national number. And then the, the big airports in, in Florida, sort of, you know, almost all of them um, perform worse than that. So there, there's... A, a sort of particular, you know, challenge in Florida right now that's that's made air travel, you know, tough there. And and I'm sure you know many of your yeah. listeners have or have have experienced that. Um, I, I mean, I'm getting nervous. I'm flying for the first time since the pandemic in September, and I'm just hearing mm-hmm. all these stories and just kind of getting nervous about it. So we'll see what happens there. But uh, tell me, uh, digging into a little bit more, tell us a little bit about these space launches and military operations because we know Florida is a big hub for that, and that can be very impactful. Yeah, I, the, I mean, the basic thing to know is that, um, you know, military operations, space launches, um, of course, the space launches happen at, you know, uh, Kennedy Space Center run by NASA, kind of on the central coast, a little bit east of Orlando, and rockets shoot out over, you know, the Atlantic Ocean. Um, and then there's a number of, of military bases that have, you know, aviation uh, you, you know, sort of operations like kind of across the state, you know, this, I guess the thing to know, just, just very simply put is like, you know, when those vehicles, whether they're military or space are using or that airspace, like, you know, the FAA has to clear out room for them um, and account for, um, you know, those operations while still filtering through, you know, this higher number, this higher volume of sort of commercial traffic and dealing with all the other uses of the airspace, like private airplanes as well. So like basically when you, when you launch a a rocket or, you know, running some kind of, you know, military test operation, you know, with aircraft, um, you, you know, you need airspace too. And that means others can't use it. So it creates kind of a capacity crunch. Now I, I should say, and I will say like, you know, our reporting did indicate that, you know, airlines and the FAA have been working really closely together to try to figure this stuff out, figure out how to like make the system run better in Florida. The FAA has been working to communicate, more, you know, more frequently about kind of airspace events that could affect operations and also find ways to sort of add capacity in the air, um, open up new routes, new opportunities for, for planes to fly at different altitudes to try to you know, um, get, keep, keep things moving, so to speak. And then tell me a little bit about staffing, because we know that the airlines laid off a lot of people during the pandemic because nobody was flying. Um, we've been waiting to see how we rebound there. And we know this is a huge, a crucial element to a lot of these delays. Yeah. I mean, the airlines, like, as you said, like went through this cycle of, of, um, you know, the pandemic and, and sort of staffing down and staffing back up really quickly to sort of meet the demand. And it's been, you know, it, it's not been easy, you know, and part of the, the story earlier this summer and spring was airlines, you know, struggle to just simply meet it, keep, keep, you know, hire, bring enough people on to sort of keep up with the demand that they were seeing. I mean, lots of people have been wanting to travel this year, no question about it. And then on the FAA side, 
you know, the, the airlines and the, the agency have been really focused on sort of air traffic controller staffing levels, in particular at this uh, air traffic control center that's located just outside of Jacksonville. And so this air traffic control center has a really crucial, it plays a really crucial role in sort of managing traffic flows, like all like up and down Florida between like really dense population centers in the Northeast and South Florida. And so, you know, I, you know, J- Jacksonville airport is not, for example, like the biggest, you know, the, the busiest airport sort of in the state, but this air traffic control center there is just a, a really critical sort of um, uh, hub, if you will, sort of managing traffic that comes in and out right. on these like North South routes. So, you know, there's been some staffing challenges there. Um, you know, the the airlines, according to the airlines and some of their trade represent trade group representatives, and the FAA has said, look, we're going to add staff where demand is needed. They're they're in the process of like adding 30 more controllers there, and kind of working through this training backlog that formed um, during uh, the pandemic. You know, all of this points to how delicate the ecosystem is of the airlines and all of this airspace. And as I mentioned, even if you're not flying through Florida, you know, their airspace does impact a lot of other flight schedules around the country. Uh, You know, and and it leads on to people that are trying to fly, getting their uh, flights delayed, flights canceled, then the scramble to reschedule a flight. You know, it all gets very hectic very quickly. Uh, what are the airlines saying for their part in all of this? I mean, obviously the staffing thing is is an issue, but right. But beyond that, what do they say about how they're trying to make it better? I, I mean, the, the airlines um, acknowledge that it's been like a really like it's been a tough run. Um, there, there's some disagreement, you know, between the industry and the FA about where sort of the the, the, the problem precisely lies in terms of staffing in particular. But I think the, you know, the airlines themselves, like one question, you know, for the airlines is, did, you know, did, did they overschedule, mm-hmm. you know, relative to sort of um, resources on hand to sort of manage that, uh, that demand, you know, and some carriers have, you know, after some difficult travel, stretches this spring, like cut back on some of their schedules and how much they're flying. Um, others have said that they would, you know, there's just the, 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 the state is still constrained in terms of sort of uh, the ability to fly there and they'd fly there more if they could, but they just, they can't right now. Micah Maidenberg, space and aviation reporter at the Wall Street Journal. Thank you very much for joining us. Thank you. Have a good evening. AI might be the most important new computer technology ever. It's storming every industry, and literally billions of dollars are being invested. So buckle up. The problem is that AI needs a lot of speed and processing power. So how do you compete without costs spiraling out of control? It's time to upgrade to the next generation of the cloud. Oracle Cloud Infrastructure, or OCI. OCI is a single platform for your infrastructure, database, application development, and AI needs. OCI has four to eight times the bandwidth of other clouds, offers one consistent price instead of variable regional pricing. And of course, nobody does data better than Oracle. So now you can train your AI models at twice the speed and less than half the cost of other clouds. If you want to do more and spend less like Uber, 8x8, and Databricks Mosaic, take a free test drive of OCI at oracle.com slash strategic. That's oracle.com slash strategic. 
oracle.com slash strategic. This is it, your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of, a degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global. Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Finally for this week, Google has an automated tool to detect abusive images of children that's a big help in combating online spread of these types of photos. But sometimes the system can get it wrong and the consequences can be serious. Recently, a father took a picture of his naked son to send to the doctor for a diagnosis. But the photo passed through Google servers, and it was flagged, and it all went downhill from there. The father became a target of a police investigation and lost access to his account, along with a decade's worth of contacts, emails, and photos. For more on what to know about this case, we'll speak to Kashmir Hill, technology reporter at the New York Times. We have a real problem in the world of child sexual abuse material or child pornography it gets sent around. Um, it's very harmful and illegal material. And there's been a lot of pressure on the technology companies to do something about it because these images are flowing through their servers. And so over the years, the companies have created these tools that can help them spot it, identify it. Once they do identify it, they're required by federal law to report it to the National Center for Missing and Exploited Children who can pass it on to law enforcement. And so, yeah, so Google developed this tool few years back that is really good apparently at finding these images because it did find these images that two different dads, one in San Francisco and another in Texas, had taken of their children um, when their sons, their sons both separately had infections in their penises. And the doctor asked them to take and send photos. This happened last year. I mean, we're in the middle of a pandemic. A lot of us are turning to telehealth and meeting with doctors virtually. So you can really understand this. And it's a complicated case because, you know, in one case, I've seen the photos and they're, they're explicit photos of a toddler's genitals. Like, I understand why Google would flag those photos. The AI flags it initially, and then they do have human employees who review it before they report it out eventually to law enforcement. But it's complicated. I mean, context matters. They were taken to help a sick child, you know, by a parent who is worried about the child, not someone trying to exploit the child. So in this case in San Francisco, the parent's name is Mark. Um, you know, he's asked not to be identified further than that. And you're right. So and he did this on the advice of the nurse to send the things to the doctor. That's that's kind of, you know, the important factor here that, you know, when it's passing through Google servers, 
they don't really know any of that. You know, they're just seeing the picture and that's what was flagged. And I guess one of the, uh, in particular, one of the things that might have tipped the scales on this was that his father's hand was in the picture also, you know, to help with the picture. <laughs> you know, we don't have to go into detail, right. but his hand he's was trying to, he's it, trying to display the swelling, yeah. better display the swelling for the doctor. And, and so, you know, reading through the story and everything, I mean, that seems like even more what might have tipped the scales on this, uh, unfortunately. But uh, yeah, you know, it's, and, it's a complicated situation, right? To your point earlier, right? A lot of people would probably say, well, this is good technology to help it. But, you know, sometimes it gets it wrong in cases like this. And one point I just want to make is that the reason this was flagged was not because he sent it to anybody, but because this father, Mark, uses an Android phone that automatically backs up his photos to Google Photos, to the cloud. And so it was scanned, you know, not because he sent it to somebody, but just because it was uploaded to the cloud. And so one of the privacy advocates I spoke with at the Electronic Frontier Foundation, a technologist named John Callis, he really objects that, that that essentially a private family album, you know, that private photos that you are taking, not intending to share with anyone or getting that kind of scanning. And so that is a matter of debate because there's a question about what privacy do we sacrifice mm-hmm. in order to fight this horrible problem of child abuse. What's really hard, though, is, you know, so this person didn't know this. He did get investigated by the police. Both fathers were investigated by the police. And in both cases, the police said no crime occurred here. And they closed the cases. They understood that, you know, these fathers took these photos to help their children not to abuse or exploit them. But even after being cleared by the police, when these fathers went back to Google and said, hey, can I have my account back? Can I have my data back? Google said no. And both fathers had, you know, over a decade of data with Google. But Google stood by those decisions, even when notified by the parents had been cleared by law enforcement. And even when I, as a New York Times reporter, came and and questioned what happened in the two cases. Yeah, let's talk a little bit more about the response from Google, right? Because they have a no tolerance policy for any of these types of things. And right, for them, it's easier to just deny these people that might get caught up in, you know, a a false flag or something like that. that. It's easier just to deny them than have to probably go through all the other setting policy for it and and going beyond that if there's more cases like this. But they do have people that review some of these cases. Did Google respond in in that sense? You know, once they were notified, hey, this was for the doctor, all of that, once they, they were provided with the right details, how did Google respond to it? Yeah, I mean, Google said that it it stood by its decision in both cases. They basically are saying they have zero tolerance for kind of explicit photos like this. No matter the context, I, you know, I, experts kind of told me for a company like Google, they have so many users that it's probably just too hard for them to do a really big fact-finding mission every time something like this happens. At the same time, it's a drop, you know, it's not even a drop in the bucket. It's like yeah. an atom in the bucket for Google. But for the people that this happens to, it, it can be really devastating. The father in San Francisco, for example, I mean, he used Google Calendar, used Google Photos, Google Drive, Gmail. You know, most, most of his digital life was stored on Google servers. And he made this mistake, you know, with his Android smartphone. He even lost his number because he used Google Fi as his phone carrier. He's a real Google file. But to make this one mistake and then lose so many different services with Google, that kind of domino effect. I just don't know if Google is really taking into account just how punishing this is yeah. to 
not just lose your, lose your photos, but also lose all this other data. Yeah, Mark, the father in San Francisco, was even toying with the idea of possibly suing Google. You know, he consulted with a lawyer just to start. He said, you know, it'd probably be like $7,000 just to probably start it, right? Because these things would take a long time. And uh, he's like, yeah, it's it's probably not worth it at that moment. And, you know, just going back to the point of everything gets scanned. So he had the pictures of his son that he sent to his doctor, but everything that gets backed up to the cloud and all that also gets scanned. And apparently, I, I guess he had a, a picture of his son with his wife. Uh, she might have been unclothed, something he never thought anybody would see. And those things all together connected is what uh, really flagged it and caused the police investigation and all that. I mean, Google said that they would have reported it just on the original images that he took for the doctor. And I, and again, I, I have seen those images and I totally understand that decision by Google out of context. You know, they, they would be very disturbing images. And I did talk to an expert with the American Academy of Pediatrics. And she said, you know, don't take these kinds of photos. She yeah. said, you know, parents really shouldn't be taking explicit photos of their children. And one reason she gave is that you just don't want your children to get used to anybody taking photos of their genitals. And I, I push back a bit on that because we are in this time where this is just a reasonable way, I think, for us to get health care is sending photos, talking to doctors virtually. And she said, you know, if you have to do this, make sure that you have auto backup to the cloud turned off on your device and then delete the photos right afterwards. But I just think this is a risk. I've heard from so many parents since the story came out saying, wow, I've taken photos like this. I just never realized the danger where this kind of scanning was happening. For Mark specifically, as you mentioned, he lost out on everything. Google isn't going to help him anymore. I guess the police department, which has a backup of all that data because they had it requested because of the investigation, they have it like on a thumb drive. They might be able to give it to him. What's the status of that? Yeah, he has some hope, actually, that he's going to get his data back because this search warrant after the San Francisco Police Department were alerted to these images. They did a full search warrant requesting all of the information in his Google account and also um, served a warrant on his Internet service provider. And so he, he talked to the investigator and the investigator said, yeah, like, I think I can get you this thumb drive. I just have to get it cleared with legal. Yeah. And so at this point, it seems like he just he's going to have to get to go to court and get a court to approve the release of the thumb drive. But I did speak with the police department and the spokesman said that they are they're hoping to be able to get him the data. Very interesting story. There's some good details in uh, in the report that we didn't get a chance to get to. Good technology, but yeah, uh, there has to be a mechanism for, you know, sometimes when people get swept up in the wrong way. Interesting, interesting stuff. Kashmir Hill, technology reporter at the New York Times. Thank you very much for joining us. Thanks for talking about the story. That's it for this weekend. Be sure to check out The Daily Dive every Monday through Friday. Join us on social media at Daily Dive Pod on Twitter and Daily Dive Podcast on Facebook. Leave us a comment, give us a rating, and tell us the stories that you're interested in. Follow The Daily Dive on iHeartRadio or subscribe wherever you get your podcast. This episode of The Daily Dive has been engineered by Tony Sorrentino. I'm Oscar Ramirez in Los Angeles, and this was your Daily Dive Weekend Edition. From BBC Radio 4. Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. 
This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.